Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Welcome back to Parks and Recollection. Yay. Yeah. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Hare, Gary, Larry, Jerry, Terry, even Barry. Uh, and uh, who are you? <laughs> I'm the other one of your hosts, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it should just be me. It's, just be you. You just, just be you. And you are? Greg Levine. Greg Levine. Still the me. <laughs> Not uh, much has changed. Nothing has changed other than you're now a month into this baby situation. I'm a month into having a, yeah, I have a one month old and a two and a half year old. And uh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I realized how much, e- how easy one is, how easy a baby is until you th- you have two kids now. But well, uh, it was all hands on deck for one. And now you got to split. I yeah, mean, you, yeah. One's kids doing the one thing. I think, I, I don't know. And, and I mean, some people have played doctors on television, so they think I'm a doctor. Uh, I suggest putting them in rooms and shutting the door. And uh, move on. Right. I birthed you into... I didn't do it, but like we birthed you yes, into the world. you've and done your job. This, we're off We're off duty now. We've saddled you with mortality. It's your turn yes. to deal with I it. I mean, this whole three meals a day, that seems like overkill. Three well, meals more. a day. A baby has eight to nine to ten oh. meals a day. Well, it's, so do I. What are we okay, talking I'm about? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I so got have, no problem with that. You have second lunch and third dinner. <laughs> yes, you have yeah, to. You, you have know, to. You, so anyway, yes, it's wonderful to be out of the house. To be with other people. Uh, Even if it's me. Even if it's you. Then that's what I was going to say. I love my family, but it's also nice to get out of the house. And I settled for coming here with you. I get it. We are talking about Bowling for Votes. It was written by Katie Tippold, directed by Michael Trim, originally aired on January 26th, 2012. And it's going to guest star an amazing guy, Kevin Dorff. And people should stick around at the end of this episode because we have an amazing chat conversation we had with a him. Great talk with Kevin. We laughed so hard. We, uh, Kevin and I kind of a little bit of the same path of how this crazy business happened, and um, it was great. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for Kevin. So let's, uh, Jim, if you can blurb the kind listener. I will blurb this. Uh, Leslie and Ben host a bowling night after receiving feedback about Leslie's campaign. 
Leslie chases one vote in particular, culminating in punches being thrown. Mm -hmm. April, Chris, and Jerry hold a competition to see who can raise the most funds. Ron and Ann are embarrassed by Tom's childlike bowling technique, in contrast to Ron's straightforward technique, of course, and Ann's absolutely terrible technique. So this is a fun episode, oh Jim. I mean, they're all I fun love episodes. This, episode. this is a fun episode in also that um, Leslie's going to have a journey where maybe it doesn't, she doesn't really win, right? Where she, the the victory is, it's not like she came up with this great solution to this problem. And oh my God, Leslie's cleverness. It was it's more she had this dogged attempt to like make this person like her. And at, at the expense of everything else. Yes. And it doesn't go great. <laughs> it doesn't go great. And that's okay. In fact, maybe she finds a, um, a backbone or a, a grit she didn't know she had in the, in the fight for her you know, campaign, but I, you know, I love that, and I, and I also thought we should talk about it. One of our notes notes here is that the inspiration for this story came from the concept in politics called the beer question. You know, this where it's the idea it's a thought experiment, it's attempting to, you know, you're measuring likability and authenticity by asking voters if they like to get a beer with that politician. And now, when you think and you hear that, like, oh, there's been all these great m- moments. Um, you know, I, I think to the 2008 and 2012 elections, um, both times where maybe there was a sense that people thought that uh, was John McCain or Barack Obama more likable? Were they more folksy? And could I chat with them? And, you know, that idea, like, could you imagine getting a beer with that person? And there have been beer summits at the White House when so, when a president or someone stepped in it or two people, whatever, like, come over, let's have a beer and hash it out. And so that idea of would you like to get a beer with that politician is kind of what started this. And instead of a beer, it's would you go bowling with that person? Yeah. Well, focus groups have been around forever. Right. They just have. And it is a great way. Now, of course, Leslie, she could hear one million wonderful things. Right. And it won't matter. Right. Because if right. one person right. Right. has one little negative, that's where we're going. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great Seinfeld episode where— um, uh, someone says to Elaine, she calls her big head. Oh, you have a big head. And then that just sticks with her, sticks with her yes. the whole time. And and they're like, why do you even care? You don't even like the guy, right? But it's like that thought just stays with yeah. you. Yeah, I get it. Um, another Nope's notes is that one focus group participant calls Leslie Nope, a, quote, <laughs> aggressively short. Yes. In truth, Leslie and Amy are five foot two, making her only two inches shorter than the average American woman. I never think of Amy as being, I think of her as, a, a, a tiny woman, okay, okay. but never. I never really thought of her as short, mm. and I guess she is. Well, she is only two inches shorter than the average American woman. But two inches is two inches. Two inches. Yeah. Well, how many times do you wish? I don't want to. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to. I don't want you. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, and I just don't want you to go there. Yeah, and you know, if you don't move along, I will. So you Great. do you. Great. One last Nope's note before we jump into our synopsis is that Leslie repeatedly says the phrase classic Derek to Kevin Dorff's character. And this line is later repeated in Mike Shore's other show, The Good Place. Yay. Yeah. I use that term all the time. Classic Derek? I will, Oh, classic anybody. Oh. So if I'm telling the story about somebody, I'll go, oh, well, that was classic Beth. Mm. Or like, oh, that's classic Greg. From this. Mm. And I, I was also a Good Place fan too. So. Yes, yes. I like it. Well, let's talk about this episode in our synopsis. Leslie and her campaign team hold a focus group to gauge the public's view on her. One participant named Derek, Kevin Dorff, says he won't vote for Leslie because he feels she isn't the type of person he'd be able to go bowling with. 
Leslie becomes determined to win Derek's vote and decides to hold a bowling night at Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowling Alley. Meanwhile, Jerry... Hey, that's you, Jim. That is me. Organizes an all-night phone bank fundraiser at Andy and April's house. I'm just pausing to think. That's exactly what people want for a city council race is to be called all night about it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're having an all-night phone bank fundraiser at Andy and April's house with two movie tickets going to the person who raises the most money. Chris wants to win the fundraiser so he can take his girlfriend, Jerry's daughter, Millie, out while April wants to win in order to dampen the overly cheerful Chris. And also to add to that thing, the, the, the prize is two tickets to a monoplex. Yes, I wrote that too. It's the Mo- Pawnee Monoplex. And it's a, such a, it's like milk a joke wherever you can, right? It's No one calls out the fact that it's a monoplex, but it's the Pawnee Monoplex. And Jerry says it with such glee. Oh, so happy. Like, wow. Yeah. Look what's happening here. But it's also crazy that Chris is blown away by the the prize. I mean, it's just two free movie passes. Uh, how date is Chris? How date? How cheap is Chris that he wants to win so he can use them for a date? Yeah, that's... Like, what's he doing when he isn't winning free movie tickets? Where is he taking Millie? Yeah, do we think Chris is wealthy? Do we have any idea? If he's probably spent so much money on his Bumble Flex and or, pills or and, all yeah, this stuff. All, and, and the thing he's hanging from and... and yeah. Yeah. He probably... Yeah, and his special shoes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. No, yeah. No, he needs like a GoFundMe to take his girlfriend out. Yeah, because he's overly excited <laughs> about two tickets to the Monoplex. Yes, yes. I can take Millicent Gurgich out. And, <laughs> um. I mean, this is a fun time. This must have been fun for you on set. These are some of my favorite, favorite, favorite. Whenever we're all together, I would always say my favorite, because they were more consistent, was anything in the conference room. Put us in the conference room. It meant, because remember, when we're shooting these, you know, the audience is seeing the final product. We're in there for hours. Mm -hmm. We're in there. You're doing take after take and then ideas and this one wants to do this and this one. And then we do the fun runs. And so... You're in there for hours. I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. here we are in April and Andy's house. And technically, Ben's too, right? It, it, uh, yeah, Ben is living ben there. Ben is living there too, which is <laughs> just a nightmare. And champion. And champion. We have champion in this episode too. God bless champion. Um, so these are my favorite type of days because it's going to be a lot of sitting around, a lot of laughing a lot of telling stories. And Rob was in this. Rob is a great storyteller. He's been around. He's seen it all. Um, so I these are kind of my favorite days. And, you know, hang, when you get to hang with Pratt all day, you never know what's coming out of that mouth in the okay. best way possible. Yeah, yeah. Because that's... Yeah, yeah. You know, he is truly cause some of my favorite days. Well, it, it's a great storyline. And there's more to come from it. But let's jump back to the A story you know, we're talking about uh, focus groups, and it is so fun to see Leslie's frustration. Right? You don't often get to see this version of her, like, um, you know, dogged, like, I can do this. and I, But she's got this frustration, and it eats away at her, and it will cause her to uh, reject the great advice she gets numerous times from her campaign manager slash lover, Ben exactly. Wyatt. And she just wants this guy to like her. Um, At all costs. That's a great point. At all costs. Meaning all these other voters. 
don't matter. And Ben will say that at some point in the episode to be like, you're focused on, they use the analogy of the the bowling pins that she wants to knock down these pins. Yeah. And Ben says, you're focusing on this one pin and at the cost of all these other ones, <laughs> exactly. right? And it's a good point that she yeah. kind of um, lost the forest for the trees. Let me ask you a question, just because it, it, it hit my mind and I, I wrote down a note for it. And this might be something you're not aware of or you don't know how it all went. Okay. When Parks... Did they do a focus group on parks? Did they put it out to people to get? Because in, in showbiz, there's this term, the Q rating. Mm-hmm. Like actors get Q ratings um, and they people hold a button. And as they're watching something, they go higher or lower with their interest or who they think is interesting or whatever. Do you know, was there a Parks and Rec um, focus group? I think there was. I think they, at the time, I don't know the details of it, but I remember at the time, I think they tested every pilot that they would make, the the networks would. Right. Um, you know, I don't know about that, but it's reminding me that um, I remember hearing that NBC conducted a test screening for the pilot of Friends, and the episode received an audience score of like 41 out of 100. Whoa, that ain't good. Yes, and I, so people were saying that the, the audience was saying that the characters were smug or superficial. They called them things like self-absorbed. Um, and that the central perk coffee house setting yeah. uh, was, quote, confusing. Oh. But, you but know. How does it go from a 41 to getting on the air? I Like, what is the point of a focus group if they're not listening? And yeah. thank God they didn't because look what well, some, friends became. Right, well. You know, someone once told me that the film business, the TV business, is those two things. It's film and TV, which is naturally creative, and it's a business. Mm -hmm. And it's about the marriage of those two. And sometimes people listen to focus groups too much. Yeah. Like Leslie. Yes. Listening way too much to this (laughs) uh, focus group. Um, Before we jump back into our synopsis, something else I wanted to call out uh, about the storyline about the campaign fundraiser. Jim... We rarely get to see Jerry in charge. <laughs> How shocking is that? In fact, I'm remembering <laughs> the last time I feel like Jerry was truly in charge was when there was that presentation where uh, the the the, the God, the projector doesn't work, and you bend over oh, and you yeah. split your pants. Like yes. anytime Jerry also is directed given this- by Mike Trim, who directed this episode. Coincidence? I don't know. So how did that feel? Uh, it's powerful. I, I just wonder, how did you guys let that happen? Yeah, I'll tell you, what, <laughs> I'll tell you the, what. How did the writers let it happen? I think some people were asleep at the wheel. <laughs> no, it's great. And and I love Chris calls it out even like, wow, Jerry's in charge. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. this is something. And uh, Jerry takes much pride in it. Um, the, the thing, you know, I've said it about Jerry. He's such a sweet man. He will do anything to help Leslie. I mean, he'll do anything to help any of them. But if this is going to help Leslie in her campaign, yeah. Jerry's going to be on board. Right. Just like Jerry happily searched all over Indiana, (laughs) right, for for Leslie's book about where she might have been born, whatever, for any inaccuracies, you'll do anything for Leslie, no matter how she reacts to those things. And then even when they find the mistake that was in the book, Jerry is the last one to find that out. And she tells him, no, keep looking. And he continues to go out. Yes. Because... Because That's who Jerry damn is. it, he's going to do it. Yeah, so he's going to raise some money, and also, you know, kind of jumps where we are now. But when you, it's to me to watch this episode. What's really funny is, um, if you guys are going to rewatch it, watch the tally if numbers. They will. Of course, you will. Uh, watch the tally numbers. <laughs> like 
who's bringing in how much yes. money. Yes. It really is funny. Yes, it's, yes, yes. It's really great. Donna could give a crap. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Any of it. Well, let's get into yeah, that because yeah. there's this great run we'll talk about oh, soon yeah. when everyone calls, uh, uh, you know, the different people. In our synopsis, at the bowling night, Tom embarrasses Ron and Anne with his embarrassing yet highly effective bowling technique where he bends down and rolls it down the lane. <laughs> Leslie challenges Derek to a game of bowling and lets him win while giving him free food and beer. But he still refuses to vote for her, angering her and challenging, and, and she then challenges him to a rematch. Chris announces that he is going to ask Millie to move in with him, but Jerry privately reveals to everyone that Millie is planning to end the relationship. Ooh. Yeah. Jerry oh. knew the dirt. He and knew what was going on. And you rarely get to see that from Jerry, too, yeah. where he not as just. He's not just in. He's not just in charge, but in fact, he holds the secret. He, it's normally just the opposite. Right. <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening around him. <laughs> he he holds the the comedy game that turns this episode, which is so fun. You have to remember, in my opinion, the Gergiches are a very tight family. Mm -hmm. Just tight. I mean, they have breakfast together. They sing songs together at the breakfast table that would make you want to vomit. But this is who they are. And they, I think those kids love their parents. And I think they discuss mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. And so Jerry wants everyone to be happy. He doesn't want Chris's heart to be broken. But also this is his daughter. And she's, I would imagine, more priority than Chris would be, even though he loves everybody. But yeah, it's it's very different when Jerry has the inside scoop on what's right. about to happen. Right. It, let's talk about uh, the bowling alley. Yeah. Which, by the way, I want it to be known. I could bowl as far as equally with Derek because they say he's like a 134, yeah, 135 yeah. average. I think that's me. Oh. I don't bowl Are we often. going bowling after this? No. I really, I think it would be bad. Okay. Though I did win a trophy once for getting a 218. Of course, I was like 14 years old. Wow. And it was just one of those days where I could have thrown it right. anywhere it, and it would have gone right, in. Right. It's like some it's days just, I golf. It wasn't you. It was it the was ball. So, exactly. Some days you golf and you're like, Wow, that thing went in the air. How'd that happen? Right, right. You know, right. and uh, it's what keeps you playing golf. Well, good for you. It's good for me. But a two eighteen and a little trophy, third place for something. But yeah, in general, I could I could uh, bowl equally with Derek. We're That's equally impressive. horrible bowlers. Okay, yes. yes, you're just fine. Yes, well. So in the bowling alley, uh, the bowling alley has Ron's favorite restaurant. It's the <laughs> counter there that serves one dollar hot dogs and a dollar thirty five burgers. <laughs> and I love how Anne says, you're not scared to eat here? And Ron says, when I eat, it's the food that is scared. That's such a great Ron line. It's so funny because <laughs> Rashida, you know, plays the straight man here. She's setting up this joke. But it's so that we can get a great joke in here. When I eat, it's the food that is scared. It feels like <laughs> you can see that with Ron Swanson's face on a t uh, on a, on a t shirt. You know what I mean? I guarantee it's on a t shirt. Yeah. Go down to Venice. Okay. And his Venice, Italy, Venice, uh, California, okay. on the on the beach. Go all those places that sell the t shirts and the yeah. mugs and everything. Oh yeah, the parks. We're all over those T-shirts, mostly mostly Ron sure. Swanson. And I'm sure there is a, when I eat, it is the food that is scared. Mm. I, I would guarantee it. But a buck for a dog and a buck 35 for a burger. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, when Leslie's talking with Derek, you know, according to her research, Derek's interests are bowling, 
Chicken Wings, and the TV show Ice Road Truckers. Which, which I is, love, which by the great. way. Yeah, the show itself? <laughs> yes, oh, you do. Say, oh my God, I love Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> they build everything up as if they're about to go careening off of a, a an ice you know, crevice. Never. They never careen off, but I can't stop. And then you come back, you wait for the commercial break, and you come back and they, oh, and the music is happy again because right before the commercial break, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, well, I just got through that. Thank goodness. We got to get you on Ice Road Truckers. I would love that. I love that. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, Well, Leslie... You know, knows all of this because she made a binder for tonight's event, which as she does, she makes binders. Not just a binder. It's a thick binder. It's a it's huge. thick binder. But here's what I love about this. This is clearly a gay Perello props joke. The front of the binder says bowling comment, <laughs> which means that this binder is not for the entire bowling for votes evening. Right, it's not for this meet and greet with your campaign with the person running for office. It's purely for Derek's one singular bowling comment. <laughs> yes. That is how much this got her and how much she's going to throw all of Leslie yeah. onto it. Let me ask you, was that a gay bit? Or no, was I think that that's a, what I'm saying. I think it was so Gabe Perillo. Perillo who yeah, was I our think prop. it was our props master. I think yeah. it was her. So that was her idea. Yeah, I think so. I I didn't see it in the script. Um, it could have been from Katie Dipple. It could have been from any number of people. It feels kind of like it's it was our Well, Gay would do, whenever yeah. she would create books right. or papers or whatever, it was always brilliant. And then speaking of props, um, Tom, when he's bowling, is bowling with an oh. Entertainment 720 ball. And so it's just funny to think that, like, you know, E720 went down, but they really did spend all their money on a lot of <laughs> worthless, bullshit. unnecessary shit, including a bowling ball, which by the looks of Tom's bowling, he doesn't bowl that often. So why does he have a bowling ball? But hey, and you know when you get you know little gifty bags, when a company sends you something, they're keychains. They're right. they're not twelve. They're pound not bowling exactly balls. just the shipping alone. Yeah, Imagine the money on the yeah, shipping that's for a that great ball. Point. That's a great just point. ridiculous. Oh my god, love it. Um, back into the fundraiser. Back at uh, Andy April's house. Some things that really I jumped out at me watching it again that I thought were so funny. One is that Chris is calling someone named Deirdre Bladderfork and says it's the most beautiful name he's ever heard, and oh, you believe him. Yes. The, in fact, all of the comedy games that happen when everyone's calling their people, it's just, it's this killing field scene, right? It's this opportunity. You create a comedy game that everybody gets to have fun with. Yeah. And so you get. Chris talking to Deer just bladder fork and also telling someone that they, you know, giving them an emotional pep talk. Jerry's giving his social security number Is away. It, that's a normal thing to do. They asked for it and Jerry, so Jerry probably lost $10,000 that night would be my guess. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, they, yeah. he's been hacked now and they've moved on. He's so simple. Like, well, and he says, yeah, I guess that can hurt anything. Okay. 210. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah, like I guess you need it, I but all right, you- here we go. <laughs> uh, and then and how April react? It's just it's a wonderful, just good classic comedy scene. It really is, and the fact that April is so because you know her, she don't care. She can't believe she's stuck here. I even you know what's you know I do my things crap. I forgot to say one of them. I could actually say here when April 
uh, is told she's going to be there. And Jerry's like, hey, is everyone feeling good? And she's like, oh, I don't know, Jerry. It's Sunday night. I'm making phone calls to strangers, and you're in my house. <laughs> like, she is not a happy camper. No, 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 no. But then she sees something that could make tonight fun. Yes. And that is to turn Chris's happiness upside down. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Back in our episode, Millie arrives at the fundraiser to break up with Chris. I was so uncomfortable for Jerry. <laughs> yeah, still seems to be uncomfortable for you. Yes. Leslie wins the rematch against Derek, and then an angry Derek calls Leslie a bitch, resulting in Ben throwing a punch and knocking Derek to the ground. A smitten Leslie kisses Ben over a bloody Derek, which a newspaper photographer takes a picture. Jerry then announces to the fundraising group that Millicent has broken up with Chris and that April has won the fundraiser. Again, Jerry mm. just dropping huge pieces huge of story. Pe- yeah, yeah. A one-two punch. But when Chris, when Jerry is telling, you know, before he's revealed to anybody and he's trying to get rid of Chris to go yeah. out, it, I, I just, I, it was, it's so fun to play that kind of mm. stuff because I'm playing Jerry. So, you know, if I if Jerry was a different type of person, I would have played it a different kind of way. But Jerry, you is, are a capital A actor. Capital A, baby, capital A. Um, kind of on this point is that it's great that everyone immediately blames Jerry <laughs> for Millicent breaking up with Chris. I mean, it's not his fault, or is it? I guess it's Jerry. So it has nothing to do with it's Jerry. All, no, but it's like it's not. It's it's not. It has nothing to do with Jerry. But because your character's involved in it, because Jerry's involved in it, somehow it's Jerry. Somehow it's Jerry. It yeah. comes back to Jerry. Yeah, that, that's a given. And I also just watch. There's so many great, you know, so many great actors on this show. When you watch Aubrey, you know, played April, when she's realizing, because here her whole goal is just to make this a terrible night for Chris. She is going right. to do whatever, and then she realizes, oh, it's going to be a terrible night for Chris. Yeah. And just watch her face. She's just so good. She's just, I mean, everyone's so good. But, and it's also uncomfortable because then there's Andy who, who is oblivious to everything going on around him. And yet he's even like, I got to get out of here. I also love this. This is the most uncomfortable thing. And how does he get out of there? He scoops up the dog, a dog who still can move. It's not just like it's a, a no legged dog. Right. Champion's missing a leg. I, we've seen him walk around. He's like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to scoop my dog up. Yeah. This big dog can carry him out. 
He had to get out. Yeah, he had to get out. That's so that really made me laugh so hard because for Andy to be uncomfortable, you know, this is the most uncomfortable situation in the world. If Andy can't even yes, handle it. Yes, yes. Well, uh, in the bowling alley, there's these. Uh, there's, I mean, Tom, God bless him, bowling and how much it aggravates Ron. Even even Anne is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, they're all embarrassed here to be with that person who's bowling that way. It's you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. But that fact that he keeps doing well pisses off Ron so much. But Ron just can't stop keeping the like, son. There are people watching. You, yeah, he says right? people are watching. But after a great bowling strike, Thomas says King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Ow, my fingy hurts. <laughs> my fingy. My fingy. Oh, and that voice, how he gets oh, so high. Fingy. And at this point, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Anne's there, the nurse. Yeah. And also. God, the, thank God she's a nurse. We got another medical injury. It's always good to have a doctor and nurse as a friend. Somewhere nearby. And in your bowling league. Yeah. Let's keep going with our synopsis. Yes. April feels guilty that her wish to see Chris sad came true. The next day she buys a third movie ticket really breaking the bank here, and offers a depressed Chris to join her and Andy at the movies, giving him a quick hug. Leslie refuses to accept Ben's resignation over the punch and holds a press conference to apologize to Derek. She backtracks, admitting that she is not sorry and will not disavow Ben. Derek calls Leslie a bitch again into the microphone, mm. and at a focus group about the press conference, the participants give Leslie very favorable opinions. And at the very end in our tag, Ron later returns to the bowling alley in disguise and tries out Tom's <laughs> technique, bowling a perfect game. 300, baby. Oh, my God. A lot of stuff in our in our ending. A lot. Every character's yeah. got something big. Here's, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump into the April and I Chris I do, thing. but I'll let you do it. Yeah, you have no choice. The scene, so we, we realize Chris has been heartbroken. Millie is there. She's being very like, he's like, oh, we could do this. We could do that. She goes, no, this won't take much time. And we all know it's coming. He's the only one who doesn't. And then now we know he does know. Everyone feels bad for him. because it. So now they're in the office and April's going to come in with her, these tickets. Here is what, and I had a moment too. And I might be speaking for Rob and he'd go, nope, that's not what I was thinking. But this is what I saw. So when you're doing comedy, you're doing comedy. And you know you're an actor, you're doing a comedy. But every once in a while, in that comedic style you do, you can throw in a real moment, like mm. a true moment. Yes. And do you, can you picture in it, and she walks in, they start talking, and then he just kind of looks down yeah. with the saddest face, mm. heartbreaking. Yeah. And that, in my opinion, again, we could ask Rob, that wasn't a comic actor look. That uh. was a going for the full heartbreaking moment. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I had one of those moments. Let's get it back to me now. Um, in the fart attack episode, when they scare me and yes, then I, yes. I drop. I Coming up soon, guys. Coming up soon. I remember, and I'll talk about this then at the time when we, because, you know, I'll repeat myself, big shocker. But at the, when I real, you know, I played it, again, an actor choice, very, once I fall back and hit the ground, mm. I'm just, I'm just staring at at uh, Rashida Ann. Yeah, and I'm really playing it like, what if this was real? Uh, you know, so yeah, Rob was great there, so great. And but who was equally great is Aubrey. Always, 
Yes, always. But this scene, I in rewatching it and prep for this, I was kind of I was kind of blown away. You don't often see April so sweet and vulnerable. She even says she's trying to be nice. You know, we don't often see the soft side oh, of April no. come out. That took everything in her. But there was a different version of the soft side of April. We've seen it sometimes with Leslie. We see it with Andy. But you don't often see it for any other character. And you saw it here. And I thought Aubrey was phenomenal in this scene. Aubrey has had this amazing career. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. Obviously, people have seen her in the recent season of White Lotus. And she's an Emily the Criminal. And she's this. Uh, she's an amazing actress. Um, and I love this scene with her. Well, I, um, you know, as we're so wrapping up these stories, these other great moment with Leslie and Ben, I love how Ben offers to resign to save Leslie. Because, like, man, this guy loves to resign to save Leslie. Yeah. He's now done it. That's his go-to move. He did it once and he's offering, I'll do it again. I know it works. That's his go-to move. And then we have another great Ben moment with police. Oh, yeah. He is terrified Terrified. of the police. And in this case, he's so um, adrenalined up from that moment of the fight. But it's still, it's like, no, it's the police, isn't it? The police, yeah. And also, uh, Leslie knows this officer, of course, because Leslie knows everybody. And we see him, it's played by Will McLaughlin, who I, I checked out, he did like seven episodes of Parks. Yeah, the, I think the idea was also we don't always have to introduce a new actor to play Right, because they people. wouldn't have 50 different... No, sometimes but, you would see the same people. It was, I loved seeing him. And he obviously was a favorite of Mike Shores because yeah. he did The Good Place. Mm-hmm. He did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's just one of those... It's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Like we were talking about, you know, when, again, stick around for the interview with, uh, with Kevin Dorff. We're talking to him about it. Um, there's just certain actors are reliable. Yes. And yeah, he's, yeah. this is a reliable, yes. uh, Will's reliable actor and the character, you can put him anywhere. And as long as you hook him up with Ben, it's going to be funny because Ben's going to just lose all sense yeah. of <laughs> yeah. speech yeah, yeah. and body movement. Yeah. No. Well, final thoughts on our episode? Um, it's one of my uh, favorites for many reasons. Again, I, I keep saying they're all one of my favorites, but... Again, talk, as we spoke earlier, anytime I can hang for most of the week in a room mm. with those people, because uh, some episodes were all over the place, and you know this one's here and this one's here. We were together a lot, which meant just a ton of laughs, mm. just a ton of laughs. So um, I love it for that. Uh, I think you know we always try to come up like with an MVP on this one. I mean, I'm gonna give it's got for me, and of course, every week. It, in some ways should be Leslie because yeah, yeah it's because she has the A story. It's she hard. has the yeah, A story. Yeah. So the odds are she's gonna be. But you gotta give April an MVP this yeah, week. Yeah, I know. I just think you gotta you give April. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can yeah. we can agree sometimes. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And Kevin Dorr, frankly, and now that not we don't usually do that for our MVP. It's usually our one of our lead cast. Yeah. But uh and you know, my reason is tied into my final thoughts on the app and the MVP. And you know, I I you should all stick around and listen to our interview with with Kevin because you don't often see this style of storyline we talked about with Leslie. You don't often see her not win. You don't right. see her get so frustrated that it really does take her over in a way that feels not like the Leslie we've come to know. 
And it's fun to see Kevin bring that uh, and that version of her out. I mean, obviously, Kevin and Amy have known each other for a while. Kevin knew Katie Dipple, the writer of the episode. Both and, improv and backgrounds. Both, yeah. They toured so, together, which you'll hear about. So they were able yeah. to bring this in. So I, I love him in this episode. And you look at that part and you think, oh, anybody could have played it. But mm-hmm. no, it's sometimes hardest to find people to play the part that feels like you just had to show up and read the lines. Yep. So I agree with you about Aubrey completely. I also love Kevin in this. Um, Should so, we get to the crap that I did? we didn't get to? Unfortunately, we have to get to your crap. A couple of just great moments that just killed me. Ron, talking head, he's talking about how to bowl. Uh, straight down the middle. No hook, no spin, no fuss. Anything more... And this becomes figure skating. <laughs> what a jump. Anything more, and this yeah. becomes figure, figure skating. skating. Yeah, well, he has strong thoughts, clearly, on what sports in the Olympics are worthy of medals and which ones aren't. Yes. And also, at the, it begins in the very beginning of the episode, and it kind of runs through through half. Leslie being obsessed that she's a good bowler, and everybody should go to Ron to find out. So I want to say that I remember that joke coming in the writer's room where ask Ron, and it's one of those things, just like the calzones with Ben, that you just, once you find a game that's funny, you want to throw kidding. it in everywhere. And in this case, it was so funny because it all built to, because you have, sorry, I'll pause. You have that great scene with Ben where she keeps saying it and Ben's like, if only there was someone I could ask about your bowling. He's like, yeah, ask Ron. Um, <laughs> but all of it is building to this wonderful little thing where she says it just offhanded to Derek, to Kevin Dorff. He's like, I don't know who that is. Who's Ron? And you don't know. I don't know who that is. In fact, I don't know who you are, lady. Right. I just came here to bowl and get some free beer and yeah, wings. Yeah. It's the only reason I'm here. All right. G- give us more of your crap. Uh, okay. Um, again, I had we've already talked about it, but her being called out as aggressively short. It's just so funny and a typical, just crazy punny um, resident reaction to somebody. Um, Okay, another thing that killed me. So Ron is typing in the names for the bowling yes. monitor, and he ju- for Anne he just types "girl." That and then they just cut to Rashida, you know, Anne, and it's just really like he just can't yeah. do it. He can't call her Anne. There's only a, a few times he does this because he needs her. So he uses, and then he goes back to girl, right? But that just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, Okay, and again, we talked about this April. I don't want to. I don't want that prize, but I'm going to win because I want his happiness to go away. I totally get that. Um, and again, the again, people go back if nothing else to watch Donna say, "Shut up." Yeah. When I tell her that Chris is breaking and that yes. Millie's breaking up with Chris, shut up. Yes. I, mean, I can't do it. She's it's it's her move. I can confirm you can't. Yeah, and then they go, but then she goes, "Shut up," and then they cut to Andy who goes. Well, this is going to be so weird when they move in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, so yeah. Andy. I know, I know. He's, he's just such not, an idiot. He's not yeah, getting yeah, it. I he's know. just not. Anyway, and of course, I have anyway, more. But that, that, that's some of my crap that we forgot to talk about. Oh, I love your crap. Yeah. Your crap's always good. Yep. Sometimes some bad crap in there. So uh, not always good. Sometimes, sometimes more solid, sometimes looser, but okay. it's all good. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that <laughs> crappy note, yes. thank you all for listening. Thank you for giving us five-star reviews wherever you're listening. You should text this episode to your group chat. Cool group chat. Let us in on the group chat. It sounds awesome. Uh, thanks to our amazing producer, Sean, our amazing engineer, Joe. Yay. Um, 
I guess. Thank you, Jim. Really? No, oh. I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. Thank you. You're yes, right. You're absolutely you're right. right. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. No, of course. I have an absolute blast <laughs> doing this. Uh, I think people can tell we are with sarcastic with each other, but we're having a yes. very good time. Yes. So stick around soon to talk uh, and hear about our time with Kevin Dorf. But from now, here in the studio, goodbye from Pawnee. Thanks, you guys. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, you guys are really excited uh, because two things. It's not just Zoom, because Zoom is the world these days, but we have in person sitting right across from me right now the amazing, the writer, the actor, the comedian, the wonderful, also from Chicago, which makes him one of the greatest people in the whole world, Kevin Dorf. Kevin, how are you? <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank the you introduction. so much. Yeah, well, you know, they wrote most of it out. Uh, but we're so happy you're here. Uh, you did one of my, uh, I really love this episode of Parks and Rec. You get to play. Well, a dick. Mm-hmm. You get to play a dick. Uh, the episode is called... Bowling for Votes. Bowling for Votes. And you are Leslie's main focus. The whole episode is about her getting you. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, getting called about this the night before it started. Oh, good. And uh, Seriously? Yeah, no, no uh, warm-up. Just, uh, you be there tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, oh, am I a cop? Am I gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, seriously, you, there was no audition process. No, nothing. And then... Uh, oh, no, boy, I didn't do my research enough, apparently. No. How did they, how did they, who called you? Uh, well, my representative called me and said, you have to be there tomorrow. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm sure there's, just send me the thing with the two lines. Like, <laughs> right, sure. right, right, yeah, welcome to... Yes, you're the dude. Okay, okay, this is how it works. Yeah. So had you auditioned for Parks before that they knew? I had. That, okay, so they had. had known you what you were going to bring. Because mm-hmm. I tell you, that's shocking to get that big of a role with just an offer the night before. I think a, more of a tale hangs by this than we know. I really do. About I don't understand because I didn't work on the show. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just an actor. Yeah. There but might I had have been done something. Pre- a, a year or two previously— I had done a, a work session with Amy. Right, for Parks. For for Parks. Right. And, um, and I thought it would have gone very well. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, did not end up uh, working on the, that particular part. Do you but remember what the part well. was? Are you allowed yeah. to talk about that? Um, a police officer who had taken a shine to Amy. Yes. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. We all know who that is. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it went to someone else. And, yes, uh, it I, uh, went to someone else. Yes. Yeah. And, and then out of nowhere. The part you were... Born to play came to you. Yeah. I think I was born to play the first one. <laughs> you would have been great in that. Yes. Part. Uh well, I think I think Dan Gore said it best and he said, You were good, but the problem with you is you seem like you have a shot with her. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Oh, what a kind soul, Dan. What a Gore. kind yeah. soul. Dan yeah. and I worked on Conan yeah. for quite yes, a few yes, years. Yes, yes. Well, very I friendly. Did, I didn't I I didn't know that they did work sessions. 
for for casting some of the parts. Well, for certain parts. roles, I have no idea. For certain roles where you want to see if it's not just the the talent, but the chemistry and the vibe, and just to, you know, yeah, and, it makes it makes perfect sense. I've been in work sessions for things I've been up for. Uh, I, I get everything I audition for, though. But um, mm. okay, and then a long pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As every casting director is out there going. What a liar! <laughs> what a this liar! This is the most uncomfortable topic. I hope I've yeah, done it. Really? I, hope, I hope I've put it in there. No, like, no, it's for, good for to make everyone sweat. It's good to break the seal now. This is a this is a real nightmare when you think you're doing good. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm just talking. Mean, this is just me here, but like, I, I felt like wow, this really went good. I mean, yeah. you know, eyeballs are on me. It's, you know, about nine pairs of eyeballs in that room, and you know, it's, it's the brain trust of the show, and you get your acting, and you feel. Like you're in a theater and you, it works, and you actually kind of do have a bit of an audience, but they're reacting to what you're doing. You're like, you can't ask for. I mean, your job, as you know, Jim is like to just audition. That's your actual job. That's what and we then do. Sometimes you get to mm-hmm. be paid as an actor. But I felt like that day or that particular time after that work session, I was like, that I did my job today. I performed. I was in a show. Yeah. Me and Amy were in a show today, and I felt great about that. And the. Uh, Whatever, you know, came after that, you know, I, I didn't work on that part. And it, like that's disappointment that, you know, that that unmet expectation that lives inside you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to compensate for it somewhere. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's like I think it was Monday Night Football, like the Bears were playing the Eagles. And I was watching it with Danny Pudi and yeah. <laughs> we're in my neighborhood and I was like, Hey, it's halftime. I just got an email. I got to leave. I have to be at work tomorrow. And wow. Daniel's like, have a great, you have yeah, a really? <laughs> break a leg. And I was like, you deal with this bear situation. Wow. And I walked out of there and I went back to my apartment. I started looking at what I had to do the next day. And, you know, whatever the disappointment, like I said, like the disappointment, that thing that's, you know, that stays in you and whatever, it's possible to become extremely freaked out and bitter and all that. And, but then something, and it doesn't have to be the same show or later that day or, you know, in some literary way, like pay off. You could end up just doing some thing a, a day or two later that has nothing to do with it. And you suddenly feel very converted from that mm-hmm. place into a good place because you're just back in, on stage or you're back doing something you want to do with someone. But you know, even acting. though it took, like you're saying, 18 months, whatever, when you get the call for this, you have to— because. I, you know, I've been down this road. It is such a compliment to just be given a call and said, is he available? Right, we want there, you. We want you. Right. Which means the work you did prior, the work they saw you do in that room, did not go to waste. It was it, credited. It was credited. You were in their Right, it was part of the long journey to get to this point, which is that it's hard to see that in the oh, moment. In the moment, you cannot The moment, see all that. you see is the rejection, perhaps, but that in the long arc of that story, it winds up being a beginning. Of Those that. ideas, that very thing about, well, this is a long game here. This is inning two of a 25-inning game. I don't worry about it. You know, like, that happens, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the competing thoughts are... Oh, I'm in the wrong business. I'm going to throw myself off a bridge. But <laughs> yes. the other one is, whoa. Take it easy. Like this, way more ball to be played here. Yes. Wow. So it's a, those. You know, no, no one wins. Yeah. It's depending on the hour and the day. But in the end, like you just get to. Sometimes you get a chance. To, like I said, I don't know. Like I keep saying the word convert, but what I really mean is like you suddenly reconfigure and suddenly you are very directed. Or you feel really directed and motivated to just to go in and just 
act up a storm yeah. and enjoy it. Which I love. So let's, we should jump back a little to say people know theory, how you even got here. Theory section is over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. But uh, my most favorite part about you is that you are also a Chicago boy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so you, st- how did it all start in Chicago for you? Oh, my uh, my original neighborhood is South Shore. I, I lived at 78th and Coles. It's just, uh, just a block uh, west of the beach or so, Rainbow yeah, Beach. Nice. And I lived on the southeast side, and I went to grade school there at a Catholic grade school across the street. And uh, I lived next to a church, and uh, it was very, very— Everything uh, you need right there. Kind of <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, my neighborhood was situated between a rail yard and a steel mill. And oh, that's uh, so Chicago. Yeah. It's just, and, and, and you're Irish Catholic, I'm guessing. Like, yeah, I'm just, just, I check every box. Yes, just go yes, ahead I and too. check every I box. Too. I know, just I know. Just go ahead. Like, <laughs> it's, I'm not, I'm a complete, I'm a walking, you know, cliche that <laughs> yes. way. So how did you end up in the showbiz world, though? It, it was a pretty typical um, story when it comes to places like Improv Olympic, which Amy has such a deep background with, too. You're just walking off the street. And you walk, <laughs> you walk in the street, yeah. you see a show with a friend or a sister or a brother or whatever, and you go, I've never really seen anything like this because they're not just uh, coming out and telling us something. They're coming out and asking us what what we want to see. And I'd never, I just, this I was 22, and um, I was like, well, I've never been asked anything, mm. you know, by someone on stage. I've never been asked what's the topic of tonight's show. <laughs> and that was pretty, like, uh, well, that's just amazed me. And then it, it just so happened that the people I was seeing that night were all really good. Yeah. <laughs> that first don't time always I, either. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but, that's a hit and miss. But, you know, like the second, like probably the second one I saw after that was probably disastrous right. or bad. But the first one I saw, the first show I ever saw had like Chris Farley and Mike Myers. And oh, come on. Tim Meadows and yeah. Dave Pesquazy. Come on. Madeline oh, Dave Long Pesquazy. The, the, all these people. The genius. All these, all these wonderful performers on stage at, at once. And I was like, well, I, this looks like fun. And of right. course it was. So that's like, a, it's kind of an improv Olympic and a Chicago thing. I, by the way, with Fothos, another person in my first class was John Glazer, who will figure into yes, your so future very episode. Very uh, much figure into parts of I should really point out the fact that <laughs> I was, spent a lot of time with John and we were, you know, oh, we got dressed. <laughs> we got dressed and undressed in a room one-tenth the size of this one sure. for about year and a half. <laughs> yeah. And he goes to New York. Uh, he First, he, he goes to the Dana Carvey show, which doesn't last very long, but he ends up in New York writing for Conan. And I, you know, you, when you see your friends proceed and succeed, you think, well, I think I can do it too. You, mm-hmm. It gives you a bit of confidence. It, just let me interject. I know most fans know, but it, it, John Glazer is Councilman Jam. Yeah, just so, so we, we all know who. Yeah, we will meet cancel. We will meet Councilman Jam very soon, <clears throat> yes, and, and yes, he'll stick around soon. for a long time. Yes, right. be, yes, for a long time he sticks around. So you, anyway, I didn't mean to. So it the, was no, but it's it was because of you know John's success and you know and I, and I knew Brian McCann and Brian Stack too, who also worked on that staff. Oh, Brian McCann, I was able man. to submit to Conan and. Hmm. You know, started working there in September 2000. You were telling us this great story about our the writer of the episode of Bowling for Votes of, with Katie Dippold. Oh, my God. Right. When John and I had this, well, after we got, uh, like I said, dressed and undressed with each other in this tiny room, we ended, got a tiny office. Yeah, sure. Uh, at Conan, too. So I ended up being John's office mate. 
And, and did uh, you get dressed and undressed in that tiny often, office? Often, often. And we didn't have to. to no. Because yes. we weren't doing I, I, I it. Believe me. Yeah, yeah. I know that, yes. It's just you're there. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're yeah. there for so long. <laughs> you were there. I yes. get it. 12 hours, days and stuff. And it's like eventually. You want an outfit change. Things yeah. are going to, yeah. things are, clothes are going to come off. Yeah, yeah, that's human nature. No, and sure. we had this couch. It was a messy office, but um, the couch was kind of clear. It didn't have anything on it. And uh, I know Katie Dippold used to camp out on that couch when she was interning for the <laughs> casting department, which was across the hall. Mm. They didn't. They had a really small office and no couch. Okay. So in order to go through her paperwork and her headshots and all that sort of stuff and look at the forms that you know the actors had filled out and all that sort of thing, she would sort of sort of work out on our couch, which was fine by us. Mm. But it was really uh, it was just a lot of fun to have Katie there, yeah. and you know she's great to talk to and. She obviously was really interested in comedy. She was doing improv at, at Rutgers and, you know, had a bunch of ideas about what she wanted to do in New York and what she's going to do with her group. And we talked all the time, just, you know, chop, talk, and, you know, about improv. And it was great. And um, it was just wonderful to see her just take off yes, and, and yes. go to California and work on that and go beyond that. And it was just pretty great. Like, it just... I don't, uh, you know, I don't take any credit for no, anything no, that happened. No, no, no but it's just karmic. It's uh, just, yeah. yeah. It's just parks, and then she's a feature writer. And she's, yeah. All the same good things that were ha sort of happening in the community that you and I are familiar with were also happening in this other new community that I was in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that the collegial attitude and the, you know, you know, people ask questions, you do the best you can to answer them, try to impart something you think is useful to them, probably... Maybe a tenth of it will be, but if it works at all, you feel great. You can feel like this is awesome. I'm happy for that. Yeah. Person. And on top of it, Katie is so sweet. Yes. yes. You know, this business you hear, oh, the, you know, behind the scenes, this and this. We were we've been behind the scenes with Katie. She is lovely and funny and sweet. To get you right back to what we were talking about earlier, I show up the next day. Uh, oh, I didn't uh, never did see the end yeah. of that Bears Eagles game. Right. I show up the next day, and the first person I see is Katie. I'm like, oh, that's hey, amazing. This is great. What is going <laughs> on? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. is happening? Because what am it, I supposed it, to like do? Like you said, it's not two lines. No. You this is, are, stuff. This is the role. This had, is the role of the episode. Yeah, I had stuff to do. You and, had stuff to do. And she was, and now here it is, like, you know, the young lady that sat on the couch is now about to give me some notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, She's I'm like, here, come sit on my couch. Happy about yeah. it. And it's about... 10 years or so now, yeah. you know, wow. whatever, whatever it was, maybe eight or nine years or something. I'm like, all right, what am I doing here? And she said, this is really just you, just being you. She, in other words, she's just like, you don't have to sound like anybody. You don't have to remind us of anyone. Like, yeah. we're not talking about any particular person. We're, we can't just talk about you. So, you know, you go make it. One of the big questions, the big things I think a lot of people think about comedy in general is that... TV comedy is improvised. They think, oh, I mean, I had this naivete when I was younger. I thought, oh, so the people are funny people and they come to set that day <laughs> and they figure out what they're going to make and mm -hmm. say. Um, but that that idea, I think, uh, remains, especially we get that question about Parks and Rec because the of the deep comedy bench and deep improv comedy bench that was the cast. So my question for you is, you're shooting this episode. It's you and Amy. It's, Mm -hmm. Two incredible improvisers. Mm -hmm. What was that like? And what did did magic? Do you remember? Did magic happen? Did new stuff come? What happened? Well, the script was of such a great quality. The the other thing that <laughs> there's more than 
two things. But one of the other things about the Chicago thing, this is a Harold Ramis line, but I loved it. I heard him say it once at a, at a talk he was giving at, during the second day's 40th anniversary. He said, I love Chicago actors because they don't do anything more than what they're supposed to. <laughs> and that was a kind of a, whole, I mean, there's layers that yeah. Harold says. Wow. But, but he, what he meant is if they're supposed to, you know, say, hey, stop, show me some ID or whatever when you're on the way in the club, they're not going to make a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Because they probably were a bouncer before <laughs> really? they had the yeah. job. So yeah. they know how to do that. Yeah. Hey, you, kid, show yeah. me some ID. And then you're off and ready. You know, the action goes somewhere else. It's the Chicago actors work. They work at other jobs that aren't acting. They never, they never, they don't overdo it. Like, and so, so that's a thing that was in my mind because mm. there's tons to do, but on the other hand, it was already there. So for, for the answer, direct answer to your question, I felt like we had, were pretty comfortable and pretty happy with what we had. And the f for us, the I think the fun of it was finding, you know, what kind of feel, you know, what kind of feeling could we get going to people who, by definition, do not know each other's tough circumstances for acting. Mm. It's it's very, I mean, in my opinion, it's difficult. It's a it's a more it's a different proposition when people don't know each other. Because mm. now they don't have any, they don't have anything to trade. Mm -hmm. So, but on the other hand, if you have no idea who you're talking to and the only thing you know is you don't like them, you have that to trade, but you have to keep it in reserve. You have to figure out other ways to talk. Because that is sort of animating your your interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, you're the real deal. <laughs> like that's a, I don't know that I always put that much thought into it. That's amazing. No, I'm blown away. How that's are things awesome. going back at the house with the pledge drive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> But here's what I, you know, I. But that's we, what I was feeling. I was yeah, like, no, that's all. We have to I'm hold like, on. I'm, I'm blown away by we that. We have to hold on to yeah. this fact that I really intensely don't like you for no good reason. And that I will say comes through when rewatching this. You know, the plot is not much in that it's just like two people with an energy who are dancing around each other. Who one really wants Amy really wants you to like her. Let's you know, and then you're like, I don't I'm really. I'm just my got myself. I really don't have an interest in you. But the energy between the two characters is palpable okay how would you describe it i mean palpable, palpable but what what what, palpable. what about I will say what reached out and what like what what, what did anything particular grab well, you well no what, what grabbed me is that there's um there's this person leslie who we've come to know and love mm -hmm. who will generally try to do anything to not just win in a bad way but to do good to make things right to have things work out and she's blowing it right She's really blowing. It. And that's why the the second act break that happens in which it doesn't work out for her, which mm -hmm. we don't often see things just not work. She rarely can't figure out the solution. And then Ben comes in and punches you. It's like, that's the only solution here is just <laughs> this, this like uh, schoolyard, you know, tumble. Um, it was really fun because we don't normally get to see that side of Leslie. And that character brought that out. I think the really critical thing in that episode is what he says to her, was what Ben was when they talk. He's saying, you can't be this way. Mm. I mean, he, it's very much, um, you know, it's a sort of a voice of reason thing. But I think that's, in a way, that's your kind of, I mean, Ben may at that point be suddenly wearing the little straw hat of the head audience member saying, that isn't how it works. People right. won't like you and they won't have any reason. And by the way, that guy is free to do that. He's not a jerk. I'm certainly, I don't think I'm a jerk. In fact, I think the opposite. I think yeah. I'm awesome. 
But me not liking her isn't something I feel embarrassed or ashamed right. of. It's my right to not like her for no reason. And Ben even says, people vote by their gut. Right. So you're just allowed not to like somebody. Right. Right. And he's not trying to tell us something we don't know. He's trying to tell her something she yeah. can't, she's not successfully remembering right now if she ever knew it. And had you, remember when was that. the last time you had seen Amy when you went, showed up on set? Oh, we always saw it. Oh, so you, we always saw so, it at the theater and stuff. I mean, okay, so that wasn't content. surprised to see Amy there. Yeah. And then, like we've, uh, as Greg mentioned, people all the time think the show's improved, improvised. Mm-hmm. But we always say, I've heard, you know, I almost said Leslie, Amy say it a million times in interviews. We've all said it. The scripts are so strong They're great. that it's hard to going to do better what they did. But we would always generally do fun, fun runs. And yeah. so did you guys do the fun runs? Every one. Every, we did every, after <laughs> every, every scene, scene we yes. did more than one. Oh, I love yeah. <laughs> every and what was that? Symphony, well, we just sort of kept going and, you know, we just sort of kept interacting and we just came from, I mean, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I mean, oh, I'd love to see those outtakes. Well, wait, because you and Amy together, do, it would have to be magic. Don't you guys work on this show? Like, what you <laughs> well, the other thing, but the fun runs, we've talked about this and we should remind some people listening who haven't heard us talk about it, but the fun run is you've shot everything you need to shoot yeah. and then you're going to do it one last time generally. And the basic rule is get the plot you need out, get us, get the, try to make this a scene we maybe can use but have fun with it and go off on tangents and see what naturally comes out with the the energies of these actors. Um, our fun runs uh, were incredible. I always tried to come down from the writer's room to watch them as often <laughs> as possible. I giggled so much, but they also go on for like 20, 30 oh, minutes they're sometimes. They're ridiculous, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you can wait, you know, get there at, you know, whatever, seven in the morning and wait two hours to even go to the set and then wait two more hours... You can do a fun run. You yeah. know what I mean? Like time yes. at that point. But here's working. where I will jump in as a member of that, as a gift, just the gift of being a member of that cast. The fun runs, I think, are what keep you close as a cast because we played every day. That's play. It's doing a fun run good things. Play. We know the we know the premise. Everyone knows what has to get out. We've just Shot it, you know, everyone's happy, writer, director, everyone's happy. Now, let's just have fun. And I don't know. I yeah. And I have been on many shows since, and they will use the term fun run and say they, because they heard really that Parks had done that. Hmm. And I don't know that we create, I'm sure we didn't create fun runs, but I don't know, maybe we talk about it more than others. I don't know. But I love when they say, okay, fun run. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, and it's you know, kind of like you're like a dog being let off the leash, right? Yes. Which is like, I have all this other energy yeah. that you're keeping from me, right? Because you're you're holding me and like, let me go. And let's say there's three or four or nine people in the cat, uh, in, in the scene or whatever. So some people might interpret that as, oh, let's beat this line or whatever. Let's beat that joke. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not for me anyway. I don't want, I'm not interested in beating the script. I want to maybe if we're doing that and having a fun run, I'm like, I want to stay with that, but I'll see if I can find anything I didn't see before. Mm. That's what it's about finding. Yeah. I never once thought, oh, I can do better than this script. Oh, dear God. I'm the. <laughs> I think if you set out to do that. And you never could, Jim. Uh, that's I all don't believe you, me. I won't even pretend. You batted a thousand. Yeah, yeah. That is one thing. Uh, I, I've said this a thousand times. You'll hear it a thousand times more. I would leave every table read. And it was normally Rudd and I would head, because our trailers were together we, anyway double banger thing where we're I'm on one side she's on the other so we'd head back together and every week after week I'd go they did it again they did it again yeah like well, I think these people did it again they've they, imprisoned they, me they in fantastic jokes <laughs> exactly they have written another unbelievable script and so yeah I never thought I'm out doing what they've given me I just think it's great to have people who have 
trained in yes, that yes, world. Yes. And we play off of each other and we laugh together. It creates such camaraderie. And I think it brought, I don't know, I, I could go on about this all day. I think the fun run is a very wonderful thing. And I think it keeps people tight as a cast. And you, you were there a lot more than I was. And it probably added a lot of time to your time there and maybe got you home a little later than you wanted to. Some nights. Me and Glazer would get out of that office at Conan at, you know, 1130 or whatever, 1230 sometimes. And yeah, you know, maybe no one's really out and maybe nothing's really happening. And all you have to do is go to bed and try to key down in the next two or three hours mm-hmm. so you can come back tomorrow. But that, that's that satisfaction and that celebration that yeah. you're feeling, you know, it's just, in my case, I'm riding the R train back to my apartment from Midtown. Yeah. It's just the best. But you, people are like, oh, I'm just going to head home. Head home. The energy. Yeah. You are, you're flying yeah, high. Fly and fly yes, home. it's going on yeah. 10, 30, 11 o'clock. But yeah. I ain't, I can't wrap this up now. No. Yeah. Okay. We have, we could go on forever, but we also have to get in. The well, amazing other things you've the, done. We're yeah, halfway yeah. through the process. Yeah, no, I'm already worried because they're going to be yelling at us. Uh, here's the thing. You have been in some iconic oh, good. shows. Number one, you did Park, so there we go. Mm-hmm. The most iconic. Okay. I think we can all Stop say, there, but you didn't. Yeah, you, you didn't. We could say that Park's the greatest show that's ever existed. Okay, go on. We could say that. But then Park's centric, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. created by Dan Gore and Mike Shore, who... Parks and Rec. You did Superior Donuts, which we have a lot in common. I've done a Superior Donuts. Yeah. You did a Veep. I've done a Veep. No, Brooklyn okay. Nine Nine. I did too. I don't know. What, anyway, what, I don't did, know why Jim had to create this. I know who this did really more. is just about to brag about myself. No, but we is have there anything else on your resume? Yeah. We have <laughs> Arrested Development, Thirty Rock, The Office, Delocated. I I I, I feel like uh, uh, I could cavell about my <laughs> credits a lot because I, I I'm fine with it. I really. It's because of the friends. And it, it isn't just like, hey, he's my friend. He could be on the show. It's more like they, they really understand me because yeah. we, we, another thing about that improv scene that we all came, that we came out of, that you and I both sort of came out of and know is that you've kind of bailed each other out a lot and we've been in tight places on stage and people know that you're a generous performer and they think of you that way. And whether they're right or wrong is another thing, but like it, they want to bring you to what they're doing because they'd be excited to have you involved. Yes. And I feel like I'd get invited sometimes. Sometimes I got a scrap for it and sometimes I just get called. Mm. But, you know, I feel like I get invited you've to certain it. kinds of you things like they, that because they were like, you've you know it. who'd be fun to do. Yes. Yes. This yes. guy's a real yes. jag off. Let's get <laughs> Dorf in here. Yes. Yeah, He'll yeah. kill it. Yeah. I love that because I love that, you know, every once in a while I get those calls too. It's a huge know? compliment. Yeah. But you've also done, and this is going to, your whole life now will be this, you've done a Mandalorian. I was pleased to do it, and I was thrilled to work with John Favreau, who was in my first ever improv. Wow, Chicago. Chicago boy, of course. And uh, we've known each other an awful long time. And I was there's funny stuff about just doing that episode, but the best was being home months later and getting a text from someone I hadn't heard from in a while, mm. a Chicago person. Yeah. Hey, it's twelve thirty. What's going on? It's like two thirty in Chicago in the morning. What's this about? Yeah, what? You're the first Imperial officer in the history of the Star Wars canon with a Chicago accent. Oh. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That was pretty satisfying. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I want to say before, unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye uh, forever. Forever. (laughs) This this is our last day. Um, (laughs) I rarely do get... I have to tell you, there's a moment from an ASCAT Mm. show... Uh, that was that was on TV. The special done with, oh. with Tina and Amy and uh, and you and Andy Richter and all, and and Horatio Sands all and Rachel Dratch and all the all the great people. Um, and someone at Parks once said that uh, trying to describe an improv show to people is like describing a fever dream, right? Because you kind of have to be there. It's hard to. So I'm gonna. It's hard to set up this joke, but I have to tell you that there's a line from you in this Ask Cat special that is perhaps one of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. <laughs> wow, and, I'm dying and to I, hear re- this. I'm going to send, uh, re-watching it last night before, and I'm still laughing. And I'm going to say it, and it won't be the same thing. So I, everyone, when we get to nope. the end of this episode... <laughs> go and watch it. <laughs> go, don't pause now. Go watch it. Um, but the setup is uh, a talent show, and there are various magicians doing these... Uh, these this this bits and you have a joke where you come on and Rachel Dratch is playing this young girl singer singing and and you're El Magnifico and you're gonna make uh, Jessica disappear and then you snap her neck and <laughs> uh, and I didn't see it coming and and the fact that your brain went there and for me as a comedy writer it's always amazing to see oh that's that's how that person's brain works and they they were able to think of that joke and I wish I could come up with a joke like that and. That's why I love writing on TV, especially because you get a bunch of different brains together and say, what alchemy do we get? And anyway, you rarely get to meet your heroes, but I've laughed so, I've laughed so hard uh, at your uh, comedy. And so I said to say That's that. lovely. Thank you. I, I, have, I feel like I'm, I know this is after the blow, but I just want to say about Katie's writing in this episode, and mm-hmm. I know more than one person worked on it, I'm sure. Yeah. But I love to think that in 20. 10, late 2010, early 2011. I think it aired in 2011, right? That the room that, that you guys worked in was so far ahead of what other people knew about what was out there. That there was people who were discontent and dedicated to dislike and dedicated to disunity and dedicated to being suspicious and, cont- and suspicious of strangers and holding each other in contempt, you know, no matter what. And, uh, I thought that was just a really, I mean, I was aware of it myself and I tried to portray it in a couple shows that I did. Like we did this show with Andy Daly called Review where we tried to get into that mindset ourselves and try to understand that some people that will literally never, mm. never want to participate in a community. Mm. And, uh, and you know, when I got, when I saw the script and I saw what Katie come up with, I, I identified with it right away. I've always identified with your show because my mother was a public aid worker in the mm. South Side of Chicago. Mm. And she did it for years and loved it. And my father received benefits from, you know, disabled, he's a disabled veteran. And, you know, and and my family worked, let's just say worked with and for the government yeah. all the time. Yeah, I've waited in offices. 
to get checks, to get food, to get other things. It's the sort of thing I'm used to. It's the sort of thing that happened in my neighborhood all the time. Parks and Rec, I thought, showed hope, hopefully everybody that that's a working society. A working mm. society mm. creates a f- way of helping mm. everybody if they can't. Not everybody's cap- capable of being helped, and some people don't want to participate at all. Mm. But the, so long as the impulse is there, it can be acted on. And I just thought that that was the best thing about the whole episode, that it, even though everyone was being petty in your story, there was some pettiness. And in my story, there was the part, part that I was in involved some pettiness and stuff. But that, <clears throat> and then even, I thought, Fran being so ridiculously pissed off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ridiculously pissed off about bowling was a good example of his, you know, his own thing, his own sort of form of pettiness. But really what overcomes all that is just showing up the next day and going right back at it again to, these aren't all do-getters. Not everybody's a do-getter, but they end up doing good. Mm. I love that about that show. And that's why I watch it in reruns all the time. I love that too. I love that too. Well, that's a perfect... Yeah, to end this. how do you top that, Kevin? Uh, Kevin, thank this has you. been a treat. Um, yeah. You know, true treat. Uh, you, you've wow, you've been around. You you know everybody, and they all know you. And and wow, uh, I seriously could sit here for days. I know <laughs> because yeah. we also have a million of the same people we know. So I have the feeling. Yes, if we but started Kevin said he only wanted road, to do an hour with you. And yeah, that was, well, actually, he's yeah. At this point, I think security will be here any minute yeah, to yeah. escort me you out, out, which is yeah, odd, which is weird, which is odd because I am the one sort like, of co-hosting this. Yeah, uh, but that is what it is. But thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. You I loved brought it. so much to the episode. Thanks. I, I can't even. Again, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know you just got a call. I didn't know you just showed up. So for a guy who just showed up, my God, you brought it. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. I loved doing it. And it was a pleasure. And I, I, I'll probably watch it. I'll probably rewatch it after today just because it's making me remember certain mm. kinds of things I loved about it at the time. And what I always recommend when you rewatch an episode, just just watch my stuff. Yeah. I think it's, I find it to be the most interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel like Leslie got a lot of the lines. I don't I, know what that was all about. I typically watch um, you anyway. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I like to learn by not an example. <laughs> you oh, that's nice. Because you're a legit actor. You're a legit actor. <laughs> Wait, O'Hare did this. Okay, so what is the total opposite of that? Okay. You look at that's him. how I would play he's this so role. locked in. He's like, this straight jacket. <laughs> yeah, no freedom. No, no, it's, a, oh, it's too legit. Get him yeah. out. I want him out. Jim's too legit to quit. Create Jim. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kevin, anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com/network today.
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.